welcome pudding people to another episode of everybody loves pudding we're your hosts richard geiger and ken seymour yeah ready to chew a tell on some facts and figures about a fancy picture show yeah i'm not going to try and find a joke for so chill i uh, I will just be good if I can continue to pronounce the names correctly, and I will, I'll just be ecstatic there. Uh, if you can't tell from the two names that we have been practicing. Practicing, yes. <laughs> we are doing a review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, and here's the exciting part about this review. It came out just like a few days ago, so right? we're reviewing it. While it's fresh in the theaters, and it's going to be out on our podcast only a week after it's been out in theaters. So, That's if you're awesome. listening to this and you haven't watched it, major spoilers. Major spoilers. Yeah. Um, as always, though, we like to begin with a spoiler-free section where we'll just give you a general idea of where, whether we think this is something that you should see in the theaters, whether you should wait for a streaming service or buying it on Blu-ray or just give it a pass altogether. Um, afterwards, we'll jump into our patented formula where we break down the film into multiple categories, each of which will give a numerical value that can add to a total of up to 100 points. Yes. Hasn't happened yet. We've not gotten any hundreds. No. A few 90s. Yeah. But sure. we've gotten no zeros either. So few 50s <laughs> yeah just a, a few in the low low range now that uh that score is going to be broken down into categories we're going to talk about the cast we're going to talk about the director the costuming and props the location cinematography plot and writing and any random bonus points we wish to give the film to get it to the score that we want it to be yeah that's how we manipulate the uh appropriation of the points right we have an idea and then we get that idea and then we add up the numbers and are like yeah that didn't fit what we wanted so let's fudge the numbers <laughs> bonus points yes <laughs> very scientific um so let's start with the uh, spoiler free section um just in general what were your thoughts on the film did you like it um yes and if i may go into a brief tangent because this is the first movie that i have seen in a theater in forever the 2019 at some point in time. Um, so one of the things that I've noticed about movie going recently, and it's just about demand slash availability of employees is that a lot of the movie times that you can watch these things are at six o'clock at night and eight o'clock at night. And that's it. Right. So it's, it's hard if you have free time to, go for lunch or go in the afternoon but i for some reason and i don't know why this one had show times that were 12 12 30 1 2 like all stretched out throughout the day so it, it, it gave me a lot more flexibility to be able to go to the theater to watch it uh, so that's part one part two is it's still there's a lot of hesitation to go to a theater when you're surrounded by people um, and if you're not comfortable and you don't want to wear a mask, but you want to watch the movie and you want to see it, it I, I get the consternation uh, between wanting to go. 
having more of these times, I feel like, gives you more flexibility to be there when there's not 50 other people around you in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, me, personally, uh, I, like everyone else, wants to sit right in the middle where the, the, the rails are at for your hand, but obviously they get used as a footrest. Right. The most popular seats, the dirtiest seats. Uh, but I'm also the odd one because I'm okay with sitting in the front rows of seats. And for me, that's great because I know no one else wants to sit there. So I know I'm going to be by myself. So my experience of going in, the movie ticket was like seven bucks. It didn't cost very much at all. Um, I paid a way too much money for popcorn and drinks, but I appreciate the cost of that because I know that funds the theater and the people that work there. So it was like the whole experience that I haven't had in three years was, to me, it was excellent. It was great. Um, topped off by the fact that the movie was great. The screen was clean. The sound was pretty decent in the theater. So all those factors going into play, if you feel comfortable enough to get back out and you have flexibility in your schedule to work around uh, your kids your family, your work, and you can go to this movie, I would say, yes, absolutely. Get your feet back in the movie theater and go and watch it. I think that's that's well put. I know there's still a certain amount of um, nervousness uh, as of the airing date of this particular episode. The numbers for the current variation or whatever of the sickness are on the rise just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it can be one of those one of those things that just makes the nerves stand on end about whether or not you want to be one of the people that goes there. And if I'm going to go there, am I going to wear the mask the entire time? Whatever. Um, I know I, I, I definitely raise that uh, anxiety level in my wife uh, in those instances where I do go out to the theater. I always aim for those times where I can try and get the fewest people that are going to be there. Um, but... Still, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Those times are, are hard to hard to do. That wasn't so bad on this particular film. I don't think it's necessarily. This is kind of delving more into politics than I would ever want to. I don't think it's that the there aren't people that want to work, but uh, it's a combination of factors of how much are you going to get paid? What is it that I'm doing? Uh, people not wanting to be. I think somebody put it really well. It's not that people don't want to work anymore. It's they don't want to be exploited anymore. Yeah, you can be a lot more choosy in your work that you're going to go into. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, at, since I ran movie theaters, they always lowballed every employee that was there and gave mm -hmm. you the, the minimum wage that was allowed in the state. There was nothing that you ever got more than that. Right. Now, if you want to go and work 10 hours a week, 15 hours a week as a person that's in high school, you can go to other places, and it's not the same type of work environment. You can go to other places, and you can make 12 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. I don't know what the movie theater is paying its employees now. So that kind of goes back into if you go to the movie theater and you're paying your 7 bucks for the ticket, 10 bucks, 12 bucks for the ticket, that movie isn't going to the theater, right? Like that money isn't going to the theater. They're not getting the land's share of that money. So... When you pay money for your concessions and you know that those costs are inflated, that's going to the employees so they can actually have people there to work right. at a reasonable wage. So there's a give and a take. If you go to a concert and you want to buy a beer and the beer is 12 bucks, 
you complain or grumble a little bit, but you're like, uh, yeah, beer. This is the exact same thing. It just it's pays, part of the experience. Pa- part of the experience. It pays for everything. Right. And if you don't want to buy food, cool, that's fine. But don't complain if there right. are people there or the movie theater's not open. That's all I can say. Yeah, try and try and be that person that makes their lives just a little bit better rather than the the person that makes them regret their choice of vocation. Um, now, I agree with you. If you are of the mindset that is okay with going to the theater, this is definitely worth seeing in the theater. I want you to ignore all of the other movie reviewers out there. <laughs> We're important. Nobody else is. Correct. And if your plan is to go and watch this and you haven't watched it, you know, pause. Come back to it. Yeah. And do your darndest to lay off of any type of social media or IMDb or YouTube because the just the title of the things just gives away so much of the fun aspect of this movie. Right. So yeah, avoid <laughs> avoid seeing anything on any type of app. I period. hate I hate to say that that even includes our ultimate comic movie database because we do have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in it now and it is correct. And what I mean by that is the casting that you will see on an IMDb or a TMDb or in all movies. That's what the movie creators gave the names to the parts, which is not always actually accurate for a variety of different reasons. Ours is accurate. It includes all of the parts and in all of the correct names. So it is even more spoiler heavy than just looking at it in IMDb. But once you've seen the film, then you can go back in and take a look at it and, oh, yeah, that was that. Or he was a what? I don't think that's right. And then you tell us. You go, hey, Ken, that thing that you put in the database, that's not right. And I'll either go, you're absolutely right. Or more likely I'll go, no, no, here's, <laughs> here's what Here it actually means. reasons why. Right. Uh, but I think that's a good enough preface. I think so. I think so. I guess the only other thing that uh, we probably should uh, mention before we get into the into the nitty gritty of this is just advice. If you are a huge MCU fan going into this film, you're fine. You've watched the other films, you get all the context. If you're not an MCU fan, it's not that this film this film won't be fun. You just may miss certain plot points and elements. Yeah, there there's. Um, a, a couple key ingredients I think that make you appreciate this film better uh, if you can watch the most recent Spider-Man yes, that would help if you have Disney Plus and you can watch WandaVision mm-hmm. that would also help uh, all, uh, the previous MCU movies of course make right. sense as well too what if to a certain extent is helpful yep uh, also on Disney Plus yeah so on into the uh, into the abyss we go, yes. uh, the depths of nitpicking and uh, analyzation and gushing of love for the things that we like and yep. uh, yeah. So we'll start where we often start. Uh, at least I really want to start here just because um, it's a welcome back. Well, we'll start with uh, the director, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi. Uh, not new to comic book films. Not new to, quote, horror films, which 
Oh, I feel like a lot of people want to categorize this as like the first MCU horror film. It's not. But not really. It's got a few elements in there, right? right? You know, some a jump scare here and there, some zombies, some um, gore to a small extent that you wouldn't see in any previous film. So it has those elements in it. Right. But uh, Sam Raimi has done comic book movies before, but he, when we talk about comic book movies, we say Blade kind of got things kick-started, right? Right. And then we had the X-Men movies, right? That kind of put us, put comic books, like, hey, the interest level's there, but the thing that probably put it into the stratosphere was Spider-Man. Right. And, of course, he directed that one and others, too. And one of my favorite movies of all time is Army of Darkness, uh, which he directed and many other things, Evil Dead ones. So, yeah, good director. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of stuff in the past, some of which you would expect, some of which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, but he's just got a certain style that you, when you see it, you just kind of go, oh, yeah, that I, I get it. That makes sense. I see why he does it in this specific way and how it can give a specific flavor to what you're doing. Uh, we were talking to somebody, I don't remember who it was, but they were really surprised that he, he did Quick and the Dead, which mm. is a Western. But yeah, I said it's like you, you didn't you di- you didn't know with the way that the camera jerked around in that film, just the way that the cinematography was, you didn't know it was him. Uh, it, it's very, very, uh, them- not thematic, but it's, it's, it's a signature style. Oh, yeah. If you watched Evil Dead 2 and you watched Dark Man, mm-hmm. you knew exactly who directed that movie. Right. And so, I mean, he's he's got he's got a lot of really uh, interesting films. Uh, you know, not all of them are, you know, awesome. But, I mean, that's anybody. It's just one of those things. Some things are going to hit your palate right and some aren't. Uh, but, so, bringing that name brings a certain expectation to the film. But it also bring it would also bring a certain kind of concern to me before I watch the film because we know how the MCU likes to have their films be. And he has a very singular style that is not conducive always to what the MCU wants. So I was I was a little concerned just briefly how was that going to meld? Are they going to force out his style or or what? So I, I think we got a lot of his style. Yeah. I, I really do. So I, I think that part of the agreement had to have been, hey, if I'm going to make this movie, it's going to be my movie. You may have the story and the elements, but it's going to be told in, in my way. And, and I bet they were just like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do it. And I'm sure there was disagreements in certain form or fashion, but everybody's professional enough and been around a while that they probably met, met in the middle to where it needed to be. Uh, made magic happen yeah and i think he he has a a certain respect from the people that he that he works with i have to i have to believe that it's like oh i'm gonna be on a Raimi film you go all right i'm ready this is uh what do you need me to do well <laughs> i can't wait to see how this is going to come out and i just wonder considering he's coming in and directing uh several actors that have been on multiple MCU films at this point. I wonder how that, that gel, cause it's, it just looks seamless. And I, I also wonder too, you know, his Spider-Man movies had gigantic budgets. I wonder if this was a budget that 
was the most that he had to work with in terms of, you know, a lot of times he does practical effects, right? Like we see, look at the Spider-Man ones. There's a lot of practical effects that are in this, in those movies. And we got that in this one, right? We did to a small extent, but we got a lot of special effects. You know, VFX are kind of a Marvel staple. And to have the budget where he could just do those things, I think probably made a big impact as well. Yeah, just looking at where it is as of this moment, it's, it has made a stupid amount of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw some articles about that today where it's... you. You might not have thought earlier on in the MCU careers of characters that this was going to be a billion dollar franchise potentially, and it's well on its way to being that. Yeah, it's it's, it's really quite impressive. So we'll sit back and see how it uh, how it stacks up monetarily, which really truthfully doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. But yeah, where it used to be, hey, if your film made a hundred mil. Like that was a big deal, and now if if your film makes a billion dollars, that's a big deal. Like it's <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but the budget on this one, I'm sure, was absurd. So, yeah. So for me, uh, that he was able to have his style, which I already liked, impact the film. The fact that it seemed like everything seemed just to gel really well, and it was great to see him back and work again. For me, out of a score of up to twenty points. That is a 17 for me. And you will find that our scores a lot of times are similar and our tastes are very similar on the movies that we do reviews on. So it makes sense that our scores are very similar. I had a 16. Yeah. So moving on to the cast, which was also just bang up. I mean, a lot of people that we've been familiar with already and, you know, a handful of new faces, um, so having Benedict Cumberbatch come back, somebody tried to describe his character of Doctor Strange as Tony Stark without the charm, which I don't think is an accurate representation. But uh, I thought he, I thought he did great. I've always liked Benedict. He's just been awesome. Confidence, I think, is magical confidence is what right. we find. Right. Um, yeah, the cast is very solid. Uh, if we look, and a lot of times we like to compare the scores overall of previous reviews to to these movies, and we're like, did I like that movie better? You know, one of the things we just reviewed recently was The Batman, which I thought was just a great movie. There's a lot of good elements in it. The cast was really good, but there's some elements of the cast that I just didn't necessarily get get the same enjoyment from. And when we look at this one, it, it's the say like really enjoyed the movie, but the cast honestly is really good in this. Like there's just a lot of good faces that did a very convincing or not overly drawn out uh, presentation of what their character was. Yeah. Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen? <laughs> My mouth is rebelling knowing what I'm about to be doing, but uh, Elizabeth Olsen is, is always good. She's, she's very bright which means when she goes with a darker kind of a character it's it comes as a very stark contrast and it just comes through really well and i think she does quite well and uh she she did well as 
the villain, right? Yeah. She well, she was the villain in WandaVision, no matter what you might have felt when you watched it. Correct. You know, deep deep down, that's what it was. Yeah. But uh Chiwetel did great. Chiwetel. Chiwetel. See, I knew I was gonna mess it up, even with the practice. Um he's always great, even though he's technically not playing the same character. He is, but he's not. Same well, no, actually, uh, he was Carl in this one. Right. Which was pretty funny. But Well, that's what Baron Mordo's first name is. Y- yeah. But <laughs> it was never explained. <laughs> I mean, we know it's Stephen Strange, right? Right. But it was never, I don't think he was ever referred to in the first film as Carl, <laughs> you know? So we had the, he, we had the Sorcerer Supreme Baron Carl, like it was the whole thing in this one, if I'm not right. mistaken. Right. I thought that was pretty amusing. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, Benedict Wong, I did see an article that I thought was spot on in its title. I didn't have to read it just because I already agreed and I don't need to see anything else is that he's kind of underrated in his importance in the MCU films because he's been in so many of them now and he's always been really good. Yeah, he always steals the scenes yeah. that he's in, for sure. Yeah. Um, Rachel McAdams. I like Rachel. Um, I don't know if I was real enamored with her roles in this, but it, it was it was good still. It's fine. Neutral. Yeah. Um, that that magically she is a certain doctor and one well you know it's a multiverse so she's like right. one type of doctor or in, in one and another type of doctor in another yeah. that's okay that makes sense sure she had a stern confidence in this one too which was fine i just uh, she has a natural charisma that i don't know if i feel like they let through with this character I guess just having seen her a couple of times now, they were like edging towards it in the first Doctor Strange film. It was almost there, and then it just felt very held back in this one. I can see that. Um, But uh, Jet Klein uh, did really well, as did Julian Hilliard. If you watched WandaVision, uh, WandaVision, you've already seen them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They... it's always a, a crapshoot with child actors. You never know what you're going to get, uh, but they already proved themselves, and they did good again. Yeah, they were they're a little too mommy, mommy, for for my liking. But what are you gonna What are you gonna do? Like, what? How's it gonna work? They were they were they were what they were. That's fine. I really liked that they got uh, Michael Stuhlbarg again, um, just for continuity. It was it was nice to see him. A brief sequence, but. Great. Yeah, but the fact that they got the people that they got for the infamous scene. I, I will say you're leaving out um, one prominent character, and I think I know why you're leaving I out Yes, you know exactly why I'm leaving it out. I, I, I don't want to mispronounce the name. <laughs> so, so chill. So chill Gomez. She did okay. So here's the thing about this. If you look, like her birthday was just recently i think it was in april she just turned 16 so when she was filming this one she was probably 14 right right? i thought for the character that she did and how old she is she did excellent i thought she actually did pretty good and it'll be nice to see her kind of 
grow up, if you will, through the next sequence of these movies because I have a feeling she's going to play a pretty important role. I hope not. Uh, nothing against her. Uh, part, I think part of the problem is I do not like the character. I have, I've had problems with it from the comics for some time. It's just... It's too much to get into really in this review, but I do not like instances of the power of plot. And that's really what that character is, is I can do anything that I need to do for whatever reason. There's there's no draw there. And and it's just the gimmick. The actual characterization is okay. The 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 personality, that part is fine. But for me, you have to have both for me to be interested. And if you're lacking in one or the other, I just do not care. Well, the thing that we'll probably run into most likely is they always, to an extent, customize those characters from the pages to fit better, neatly, powered down, congruent, whatever you want to call it for the, the, the screen. So maybe we'll just focus on her being a plot tool but a plot tool not for every plot just for a plot right well they do seem to have powered the character down a little bit but that's going into the actual plot section as far as an actress she don't write i mean it's just it took a lot for me to get past the dislike of the character so if if i'm really stepping back and just looking at the the actual acting yeah she did actually really good yes but Uh, yeah the key here for this one is we saw those main three faces and a few others. But from a plot standpoint, from a faces standpoint, one of the most exciting things is uh, the introduction in this universe uh, of the Illuminati. Absolutely. That was such a fun story arc, several story arcs in the comics. And so seeing what they would do with this, because they couldn't really do it the way that the comics did just because of the rights to the properties and what they've managed to set up so far it just wasn't going to happen quite the way you would expect but they got really really close uh, so I mean close enough that it's like yep that's pretty much 100% it being able to get uh, the people that they got in for it getting Anson Mount back as Black Bolt even if you didn't like the television show he is a heck of an actor to get in for such a just this little bit role. Now I'm I'm being nitpicky on this, and I liked I never saw the show because of it was apparently just incredibly awful, um, unfortunate. Um, and Anson Mount's actually in one of the new Star Trek uh, series, right? Yes, he is. Um, wh- how tall is he? Anson? Well, I mean, he's not short. I didn't think, but uh... and. And and you would know better than I would. Uh, in the in the comic book world, I feel like is isn't Black Bolt. He's a he's a bigger dude, right? Like he's no, not really. He's about average height. About average height. Okay. It it looked it looked in this film like he was. He looked short. Short. And I I've always kind of pictured uh, the Black Bolt character as a. Not larger than life character, but taller, taller than average, I guess you could say. Well, he he definitely is a, a larger than life um, character, and that may be just kind of what 
um, what kind of contributes to that. But I mean, looks like he's six one, so he's about he's a little shorter than I am. So that would make sense. I mean, uh, that would be the yeah pretty. I, I mean, that's I think nowadays about the uh, average height. So yeah, yeah, it's it's on the on the slightly taller side. And and I really liked. I liked the fact that if you're going to have this character in this in this section deliver the character at least be kind of like what the character is supposed to be like have it be cool have it be because like it's a stupid powerful character Mm -hmm. with they can't say anything unless if he does he just destroys everything right and in the tv show everything i saw he never had his tuning fork thing right yeah it's kind of cheesy i get it but it's iconic yeah and they had it in this one. It was so cool. And then he doesn't he normally have like these little wings because he can, can, can he can fly with his yeah. Voice so the, the 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 idea is kind of like what Banshee from the X Men would do. He would kind of whisper at the ground, and the force would carry him up and use the wings to kind of move where he needed to move. And I, I'm pretty sure we saw that in the costume as well. So oh, yeah. like, yes, yes, yes. But that's because, I mean, we're talking about the cast, and all you really saw was, like, a nose and a mouth, but... You look at his eyes, and I immediately recognized him. It's like, yep, that's that's the same dude. Yeah, and I, I, and I thought that that was really cool, and that they got the same face, the same person who had already portrayed that character. Kudos. Yep, that, yeah. that gets bonus points from a cast standpoint to me. I thought uh, John Krasinski... Being Reed Richards worked really well. Now, some people are not particular fans of Mr. Krasinski for a variety of reasons. We don't talk about outside of the acting universe. We just talk about the inside of the acting. And inside the acting, I have never seen anything he's been in that I have not liked. So here's here's the weird thing. Uh, we, we know that there's going to be a Fantastic Four movie sometime in the future. We knew that when, they, when Disney bought Fox. And there was always the fan fiction of we want John Krasinski to be Reed Richards. Like you saw that picture and that presentation a lot with the deep fakes and all that type of stuff. I was like, you know what? I, I can see that. And then lately, lately, I've watched two things. Right. I've watched a lot of The Office lately. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it's just been like one of those things where it's easily consumable. It's funny. It's a fun show. You can you're eating something you can watch a 20 minute episode of it. Okay, so obviously John Krasinski's all over that. And then the other one is on uh, Amazon Prime. He is the Tom Clancy character. He's Jack Ryan. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Um the first the first season <laughs> is terrific. And I started the second season haven't gone back to it, but I've consumed a lot of John Krasinski lately. So when they showed the characters, like we knew we were going to see because of the trailer, we knew we were going to see a Professor X. We knew we were going to see a Captain uh, Captain Carter because we saw the shield in the trailer. Like we saw those things. We knew that's what we were going to get. But when we saw a Fantastic Four Reed Richards with John Krasinski, that's when I was like, 
so like awesome like yeah. to, to me that was like one of the coolest moments of the entire film and maybe i'm just cheesy and dumb but no no absolutely that's that's what you geek out about those things seeing seeing Haley atwell as captain carter live action was really cool yeah um now of course the question is was this the one that we saw in what if or was this a different captain carter yeah i mean there's so many of them we've already counted to 800 so there how many other multiverses <laughs> are there right uh, but the introduction of it was dumb like why'd she throw her shield that's a plot thing anyway uh th the fact that they had all those faces um the fact that they had lashana lynch be captain marvel in this uh, in this universe super cool like the whole sequence from the illuminati standpoint of the faces that we saw was excellent. And they all did their job exceptionally well. Uh, choosing Charlize Theron as Clea, fantastic. Uh, Lashana Lynch did great as Captain Marvel. That's the one I was really kind of, it's like, okay, let's see what, what they let her do. And it wasn't much, but <laughs> what was there was good. Didn't let any of them do very much. They didn't really let them do much of anything. But, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was great. Um, so, I mean. Yeah, Charlize, to get a big expense, like, she's expensive. She's got to yeah. be expensive. Like, yeah. she is one of the best of our generation. To get her for that character who is just going to be in more, like, more power to you, Marvel. Good job. Yeah, and you know, when you're signing up, well, I would hope that you would know, when you're signing up for certain characters, you can expect a certain amount of CGI because it's MCU. But depending upon the character you are, there will be more or less of it. Well, that character is a guaranteed. Your green screen's everywhere. Uh, so it, I, I wonder if that plays into, it's like, well, do I really want to do this part where I'm, I'm not acting in a normal environment for an extended period of time? That has some practice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so all in all, that's a lot of, a lot of love to just a, a really great group. There really was not, there was nobody that I thought was poorly cast. And of the people that were cast, nobody did a bad job. Yes, agreed. So I it was, it was just really nice. Uh, for me, that is, uh, I think, a 16 out of 20, just because, you know, while I really liked the cast, a lot of them were given really, really, really small segments of time. So it just didn't didn't resonate didn't, with me as much. Didn't power the didn't, actual score. Right. Well, the the faces that we saw the most, there was three of them. I yeah. thought they all did really good, so I yeah. did 18. Very nice. Now, I don't know if you remember. This this is kind of an important thing. At this point, it it's really important to remember to talk about social media. <laughs> and our appreci appreciation of you reading things on social media and responding to us. That's right. <laughs> hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Graham Graham, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. 
Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week when it's released. Any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Voting guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's one dollar per month per month not per day per month <laughs> yes twelve dollars for a year yeah uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into and when the fate engine comes out it will have its own cost and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this and it's going to be so cool i can't wait for y'all to hear about it Informative, as always. Repetitive? Yes. <laughs> Familiar? Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Still informative. Uh, but it's like, a, it's like a warm jacket. It just makes you feel comfortable. Speaking of jackets, uh, it's time to go into costuming. Ooh. <laughs> costuming in this was fantastic. Um, I liked the individual components of everyone's outfits uh the scarlet witch outfit looked good yes it did um your favorite uh powerful character uh, america chavez had a nice star on her jacket it was okay um, well let me let me rephrase that it looked the way it should have if you're if you were to take that comic character and interpret it into live action that is exactly what that character should look like so they did a good job? Yeah, they did a really good job on it. What about the alternate versions of Doctor Strange that we saw? Um, the first one was just off-putting a little bit. The, maybe it was the hair. Um, something just threw me off about the costuming on the, on the first version. Um, but the rest of them were all really, really good. But, I mean, what do you got to do? You got to interpret this one character four different ways in in the movie so that's that takes a lot you can only change so many color palettes right you have to get original with some of the other items right uh the interpretation of mordo was a nice extrapolation from what we had already seen what would he dress as if he were sorcerer supreme i thought that was a, a good interpretation of that um nobody really had like a physical weapon tool thing? Well, no, no, the, not exactly. And, and the book was, uh, the Darkhold that we saw was Look digital good. like every time. Yeah. So that's, I, I mean, I guess that's a prop. Is, there is was that, one callback though. Did you, did you catch it? Callback to? The original Doctor Strange film. When, well, I, I thought... Probably yes. There was the the mirror universe. So, do you remember the uh, in the fight with the music? Yes. Uh, 
um, Christine grabs. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, because um, Cassilius hesitates a bit when he sees that because he, know, he knows how powerful it is. And he knows what it does. And even though Doctor Strange doesn't know what it is. Yes, and then you actually get to see what it does in the film. So that was really fun for me, and it looked right, and it was good, and that's something from the comics. So it's just, again, just a nice geeky thing to, to see in there. Um, the... Um, yeah, just all around, they were really solid. I loved that they put Professor X in the gold chair. With the green suit. Right. And the striped tie. Oh, and, and if you noticed, when he rolled in, it's subtle, but you heard the music, right? Yes, I did. Yes. You, you, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you if you get a chance to watch this again, if you've already watched it and you didn't pay attention to that, it's the it's the theme music from the '90s cartoon. Yes, it is. because that's what he looked like in the '90s cartoon. Like it's pretty funny, but subtle and spot on. It was so much fun. Um, the um, the Captain Marvel outfit was pretty solid. Um, again, because there was so much CGI going on around it, you did it was harder to enjoy. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the nose on Krasinski? Did you notice the prosthetic? I didn't. I, I noticed that his beard was thick and luscious. Maybe it wasn't a prosthetic. Maybe it was lighting. Maybe it was um, some form of makeup. But it looked like he had a fake nose on. That was the only thing that just immediately jumped out. I shouldn't want the nose to jump out at me. It was just kind of a little strange. But I, I feel like it was because in the comics... He's got a big nose. <laughs> and well, I, I also wonder too if the suit stood out so much that the contrast between the head and the suit that I, I felt there was something when I was looking at it. And I, and I just felt like his beard was just like 3D. Like it, yeah. Like it was, it, it stood out pretty significantly. And not, not in a bad way. It's just like, well, that's a, like I said, that's a thick, luscious beard that. Reed Richards has. Right. Uh, but what about the suit? The suit was perfect. Uh, very reminiscent in some ways of the 1994 <laughs> Fantastic Four film that n almost no one has seen. Um, but uh, you talked about the tuning fork on Black Bolt. It wasn't just that it was there. It had the little effects to go along mm -hmm. with it when something would happen. That was great. Um, uh, the the decay on the uh, corpse strange. Uh, Which was practical effects, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Always, I mean, you know, harkens back to Army's, uh, Army of Darkness days, right? right. So um, kudos to doing that as practical effects. Yeah, it, it was just, I was very impressed. I mean, the, uh, the majority of stuff was just kind of standard costuming. There's nothing much to it. If I had a gripe, because it was standard... It all, all, you had the stuff that stood out, it stood out so much that everything else became invisible. So you're saying like you, well, at least for me, I was more focused on this in front of my face and not the behind. Right. So I can see that. It's not really a bad thing exactly, but films that are superlative, I mean like get the perfect 10 score. Not only are all the costumes in front just gorgeous, but 
I can take one quick look to the side and go, oh, wow, that's amazing. Speaking of like Black Panther, you know, every single one of those outfits was just spot on excellent. So it just it just tended to do a little bit better in that regard. So it, for me, it kind of needs that bump to hit the 10, but still solid nine. Yes, uh, I agree. Nine as well. Um, but that blends right into the location that we usually go into next. Uh, I loved the 838 environment. Yes, the cityscape with the luscious plant life, um, the, the rainbow clouds in the sky. Yeah. Um, it, it's an environment that we're guessing, because Reed Richards was there, older, older as we know, because he has a wife and he has kids, kids plot point, um, that he probably had a lot of influence on what was going on around the city and the world, really. Kind of what Tony Stark could have done, uh, but more so from his influence. Oh, seeing Rintra was great. The the green minotaur. Yes. That was fantastic because I'm a comic book dork, and one of the comics that I collected when I was a kid was Doctor Strange. And it was during the period where Rintra was his apprentice. So it's like, oh, that's so cool. I, I'm not familiar with the character, but when I saw it pop up on the screen, I was like, cool. Like, like, like in, in the sense that it's not just all humans here, right? So we got a little something extra by having that character be there and be like, a cool character too. Yeah, think uh, in the comics, uh, at least at first, think uh, semi-oblivious spaz, but a minotaur. So I'm going to run out into New York and forget to cast an uh, an illusion spell so that I look like a normal person. So you see a green minotaur running down the streets of New York. Whoops! <laughs> Darn it! I forgot. <laughs> uh, but I was in a hurry, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so. In terms, you get so many locations in this film. That's the that's the thing that just blew me away. Not only was that eight three eight great, you get the normal MCU environment, which is always good, um, but you get multiple multiple universes. You get the the place between the multiverse that looked super cool. Well, as they so you're talking about the junction place, mm -hmm. yeah, and then as they're splashing through the different multiverses, right? And some look like hell. And right. some look like water places. And some look like... The one like, that was paint was fun. Yeah. So, like, all those different sequences showed you what the possibilities are for 800 other, other you know, existences. So, that part was cool. Yeah. I And so, I mean, for me, that's what that's what gets the, the top marks is you have a great deal of just different options and they all look amazing yeah i think so the top of the snowy mountain in some place that apparently for you know ever no one's ever realized was there <laughs> no, nobody ever flew by in a, in a plane and go huh why is that there yeah <laughs> no biggie it's a plot point though okay. well you know it, there's always going to be that in any one of these films but yeah so for me 10 out of 10 on the location uh i went with a nine. Yeah. That's pretty solid. Uh, but 
a lot of this is is the special effects departments and that kind of bleeds into cinematography and and we talked about Ramy. Ramy's got a style mm-hmm. and we got to see it the the not jerky but the quick zooms and the rapid movement from place Spinny to place. Spinny cameras and the you know the throwbacks to his previous films that he's done and his style when when Wanda's in the mirror dimension and they're trying to cover it up. Hey, there pops out you can see her her eyeball, right? And then she stretches her distorted hand through so she can get out. Like those are kind of creepy sequences from previous movies, right? right. But they let him they let him be who he is. So we talked about that. So we got to see a lot of cool elements coinciding with the cinematography is the you know the CGI that we mentioned too and a lot of other things but I think the color palette was nice right yeah dark when it needed to be dark bright and colorful when it needed to be bright and colorful unlike other movies which we have commented on in the past there was not a single scene where I fought to understand what was going on on the screen I could see everything I could get the impact of everything that was happening rather than trying to figure out was well, that black blob doing something to that other black blob? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you just got a nice, uh, close, close-in camera view when you needed to. You got the wide angles when you needed to get more of everything in, right? So it showed you what it needed to show you when you were supposed to see things. Once again, it's appreciation of the person who's presenting everything to you the way that it needs to be presented now to be fair in a film like this where you're going so many different places that means that the number of establishing shots that you're going to have is going to be above average but i've always been kind of partial to the establishing shot that gives you a chance to kind of take in what it is that's happening and kind of enjoy it just a little bit um so being able to get all those different locations and get a a really nice establishing shot for all of them. In instances, I liked the one bit when they're in the collapsed universe um, with the other Doctor Strange. There's a bit where the camera is at a distance, uh, kind of a mid-distance, taking into uh, view them speaking to each other and kind of moving around the room. But it's moving in such a way it's low enough that you get all of the knickknacks and all of everything that's there, and you just get to be immersed so much better than if the camera was just six to 12 inches higher, which is what a lot of people do. And I like that much better. I understand you want to focus on people's faces when they're talking. They're talking. I know what their face looks like. Take it down a bit. And that's what they do. And they give you stuff. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's like a smorgasbord. Yeah. So like were the things in this universe similar to what they were in the other universes, uh, even them approaching that sanctum, right? You saw a ground, you saw a, a, a dull color palette, right? Blacks and grays. You saw a ground littered, a flat ground littered with bones, right? But you saw this decaying building as they approached. And you're like, oh, this looks like an ominous situation. Even though it really wasn't, it was, but it gives you that kind of attitude and presence just from the right camera angle because it was kind of like ground level right up 
And then when it does go kind of higher, it, it gives you, again, that the angle that gives you the most out of it. He's, he's just, the people, the way that he does things and the people that he works with, the way that they operate, they, they know what they're doing, and it just really comes through. They, they do a great job. So for me, that is a, a 17 out of 20. I had a little, little higher take on this one. I had 18 out of 20. Yeah. But now we get to the point where we really get to, um, well, nitpick the way that we often do. And we talk about the plot and the writing. Um, this is often where you make or break the film. And I have been seeing a lot of reviews that have been just trying to knock the film. Now, I still, um, I still maintain that all this is is the normal BS that you get especially as you've had something going on for a while where each person wants to be the first where they say, hey, I predicted when this all started to suck. And so we've been getting that to a certain extent in the last, I don't know, seven or eight films, but it's been starting to increase. And I don't think it's because they necessarily dislike it. Uh, it's possible that they're getting bored of it, but I think it's just they're trying to be, I want to be the first, I want to be the first. John Smith, Hollywood Trash Can here. This movie was no good. Right. Mark my words. Right. And uh, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> it's just clearly wrong. Now, are there issues? Yes, they're always, I mean, oh, they're yeah. always going to be. Nothing's, yeah. nothing's perfect. Um, like you said, a plot point. Suddenly, there's this one person amongst all the other multiverses. 800 plus that we've apparently counted somehow. Um, she's the only one in all of those right. who can just magically go between each of those. Okay. Like it, it, it fit the narrative. Sure. Okay. And it fit the character. Mm -hmm. So if you were already conversant with this character, it didn't, it would not have even, bothered you the least little bit but if you are not a comic book fan it might seem odd i i think i don't think it's bad that's there i think they could have done just a little bit more to establish the character to explain why and from what i understand her origins in this film were different than the origins in the comic books. They were, but you get that a lot, especially as, like I said, the, there's just so much that, that Disney didn't have access to and didn't establish there, there was going to have to be changes. I didn't have any problem with that, but they needed a little more backstory for her. And using her, using her abilities as a tool, I didn't think was the end of the world. No, it was fine. And the fact that as you went through the storyline, you're like, oh, it's it's Wanda who is controlling all these creatures. Wanda who is using, going to use this person for her own means because she has a goal of being a happy family. Like, okay, if you watched WandaVision, okay, like those, those points... For the most part, they yeah. they go inside. They coincide. Now, I think what wasn't what was stressed, but maybe wasn't stressed, but was stressed, was that if you didn't see the the TV show, you have no idea what they're talking about with the Darkhold. Right. And the fact that she's already got it, the fact that she is lost her free will in a certain sense, she's she's used her will 
in in the behind the scenes, but the Darkhold has taken over her. Well, not, I don't think so. Uh, that's that's really not what the book is there for. It's there not to insert its will or the will of Kathan, but to corrupt whoever it is that does it. So you still have your will. It's just your reasoning changes, mm. the way that you see things, and it ends up serving his purpose. Now, Wanda's connection to this demonic entity is extremely well um, seen in the comics, and I don't think they're going to go into that in the films. Not really. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it, when she was in Sokovia, right? So, so that that in itself is different from the comic books. But there was the thought that she had a little bit of power already, mm-hmm. and what they did to her in the experiments just brought that power out. But where did those powers come from when she was little? Are they going to try to go back and explain it in some form or fashion, or is that just yes. too much? No, they will. It's coming. I already, I already know basically what plot lines they're going to be going for now. If you're if you're a comic book dork and have been doing this for a while, you basically know the three or four directions they have to be going if they're doing things the way they're doing. And I'm not going to go into that here. That's a much longer discussion for another time. But it's good. It's going to be good. Any of these directions is going to be fine so long as they pursue it in the right way. Um, and I have full confidence they will because I've really liked what they've done so far with it. Um, but, I mean, that's that's the thing. I, I heard somebody complain. It's like, well, the multiverse is infinite. Yes. How did she know where to find America? Send her minions. It's, it's, it's magic. Magic. <laughs> Do you really need more of an explanation than that? It's It's magic. <laughs> You don't you don't need anything else. She she has control over magic on a multiversal scale. She could find America. It would not be a problem. And all the book did was just amplify that. Right. So that they had that. It's like, well, how is she conjuring these demons? Do you really need to ask that question? She has an evil book. Her fingers are black. Next. <laughs> yeah, th- that that part I didn't question like could she have done it before the book no could she have done it after the book so that that part makes sense in this world um well you then you're like well could she have done it without the book with her power set maybe but with her knowledge of how to do it right no she would have needed a teacher i don't know say a witch that had long experience like they did in the comic books but apparently weren't going to do in the movies I'm still kind of sore about that. Agatha Harkness is awesome. She's going to have her own series. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. What yeah. issues did you have with the plot? Well, maybe the the one thing that which is silly and, and okay, so she has the power and we see at the beginning, I, I'm going to take your power. So they can just magically suck the power out of these people. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. That's cool. It seemed like it was going to be quick and dirty, right? Let me just suck the power out of you, and then this creature just whacks them, and then they're dead. Okay, cool, whatever. Um, then they're fighting, and they're trying to protect her. Like, oh, I'm just going to take your power. I'm just going to suck the power out of you. Cool, good. She opens a portal. She's scared. They jump through. Okay, good. Okay, well, now I've got her. Right. I've got her on this throne 
and she's tied down. Let's just talk. <laughs> it's monologuing. It's it's got precedence. Oh, she's gonna wake we we don't have much time. And proceeds for another half hour, forty five <laughs> minutes of the movie. Um why don't you just like suck the power out of her in two seconds and then like be done with it? Like now, I know that's how movies work. Right. Right? Like where they explain the whole plot line waiting for something to happen and then something does happen. Like I get it. Well, how about this? What if the reason that it's taking a while is Wanda's nature is fighting against the corruption? She's not quite ready to do it. She knows what it means. She'd have to take this person's life. But she already took a lot of lives. Yes. And that's been weighing on her. I mean, you're you're stretching a bit. I am. Um, we saw in one of the previous Illuminati sequences that that her she was there, right? But think of it this way too: the people that she killed was an old man in a wheelchair. She killed a man with a gray beard. She killed somebody that's essentially Captain America. But, you know, not. And she killed uh, Captain Marvel. Nobody she had any sort of emotional tie to. However, America, as you mentioned, is young. Like a child. But she killed. She also killed all those people in the Kumartage. Yeah, they're all adults. Oh, so it's okay to kill adults, just not kids? Oh, it's not about whether it's okay. It's about whether it would affect her. I know it's a stretch. It's a stretch. But I think it was more storyline. Oh no, it it definitely was that. But you can find a way to kinda of make it fit. It's kinda of, sorta. Of. It's it's an effort, but it's an effort in every film. So it really doesn't mean anything to me in this. It, so it wasn't a cardinal sin. Yeah. And th- when you when you did the foreshadowing a lot of times, there's a couple elements that they foreshadowed in. Which honestly were fine. I didn't really even have issues with it. Like they buried the corpse up on the rooftop, and he said, "I've buried worse." Cool. What what would be buried worse? Like, <laughs> good question. But the the fact that you know that came back later on, I appreciated some of those facts. Right, like some of those. I'm going to hint at this, and you're paying attention to it, but you're not. And then all of a sudden, it comes back as a a thing. Like that. That those things were cool. Um, you, you know, when we look at the Illuminati and the fact that they pulled a Deadpool two on them and just wiped them out with, that was great with little to no effort. Like I don't necessarily have a problem with it. And actually I was like, it was kind of comical. Um, we questioned a little bit black bolts actual process of his death yeah that i I don't think that makes physics sense but yeah um because he he is really powerful oh yeah and reed richards really isn't powerful he's just smart and stretchy and the fact that he thought he could do something he i would have thought ordinarily like he like okay i need to get out of here Right. I'm gonna grab the, the 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 thing that I warded off Galactus with. Yeah, like l- <laughs> let's get out of here. Um so the fact that they just let the floor get wiped was 
once again, cool. Like, they defeated Thanos. He didn't have all the stones, though. No. So where are the other stones, right? Like, is was there an actual vision in this yeah. world? Some people have questioned that. I don't mind vision not being there. There may not have been a vision. Maybe there was. Maybe um, there's there's a lot of uncertainty, but it wasn't important to this particular plot. But my issue with, uh, we were talking about the Black Bolt thing, if you saw it, you already know. And if not, well, we already warned you about spoilers. So Wanda removes his mouth, basically. It's just skinned over. Um, you can see him moving his jaw. So the musculature and the and the the bones are still there. She just covered it with skin, which is a kind of nice callback to the Infinity Gauntlet storyline because uh, Thanos did that to Star Fox. Um in that because he has to be able to talk to affect people. So he just removed his mouth. Um, but if you, I don't know, shoot a cannon towards skin, it's not going to rebound into the back of your head. It, it's going to tear through the skin and go out there because there's less resistance there than going through skull in two spots. It's always path of least resistance. And didn't, weren't the forks there to harness and direct it? No, that's just, it's just costuming. Okay. <laughs> it really doesn't do anything. But as much as we want to see all those characters and all their greatness and their glory and what they can do, we got a, a little fight sequence and then they got wiped out. Okay, cool. But in that sequence, we had an important, hopefully future plot discussion, right. which I mentioned before. I have a wife. I have kids. Okay, well, those kids have kids, right? And then no. those kids have kids? No. No, if they're talking about the kids, they're talking about Franklin and Valeria. Yes, but don't they, in the lineage of, like, isn't that Kang? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry, yes, sorry. I, I wasn't sure what you were talking about. Yes, um, kind of. So, like, it's it's way down the line, but aren't aren't isn't Kang like a distant descendant of supposedly of those so is that what they're hinting at when he said that or was it more of like i have kids meaning isn't their their son's like stupid powerful oh yeah he he's meant to survive to the end of the universe basically become galactus in the next so there, there's just they're just leading into the possibility for other things for that set of characters yeah, so there's there's a lot of really fun stuff there. There's little little bits and pieces that, that don't quite make sense, but I mean for the most part, it's it's nothing major. Um, there's no huge plot holes. No matter what you think you saw, there's no huge plot holes in this film. Um, a Maybe lot, some some speed. There's some bumps. Yeah, there's yeah, some it's... some imperfections here and there. Uh, there's like we were talking about, there's normal things that you'll see in a lot of movies that just don't make sense, but they're in every movie. So it's not unique to this film by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah, I mean, but all in all, just the, the individuality, I loved the music fight scene. I thought that was just really fun. Uh, it's, it's not the first time I've seen something like that, but I thought it was a really nice representation of it. Uh, just a conceptual battle that was that was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of plot, it wasn't a super deep plot. 
and some people questioned about how much he really remembered about what happened with Peter and uh, somebody was saying it's like well he shouldn't be able to remember it's like no he'll remember everything except that Peter is Spider-Man that was the whole that was the point that was the whole point he he always said Spider-Man right he, and and shoots webs she questioned whether he shot it out of its butt which was funny that was funny yeah I like that uh, but always referred to e- e- even because Wong was there as mm. Spider-Man and like that's all the farther it went right that's accurate. Yeah. That's yes. Good. Everything everything that I saw that they did maintained continuity basically with the other MCU films. I didn't see anything that was drastically wrong. Nothing that tripped up internally. Uh, like I said, I saw one or two or th- three things that were just minor problems, but nothing. Nothing that was really that big a deal. Did you see anything that forced an issue? So like, we know where the storyline wants to go, so insert square peg into round hole. No, they didn't. They didn't have to force anything. There was it was it was pretty obvious. Even if you didn't know that Wanda was going to be the villain going into it, it was pretty obvious where they were going with it. So yeah, no, they didn't have to force anything. It was it was going to be pretty obvious how this was going to end. This isn't this isn't a type of film that's there to make you think. This is a blockbuster. This is meant to be enjoyed. Look at the spectacle. Look at the fights. Look at the effects. Look at the characterization. If you're a comic book fan, here's some fan service. Enjoy it for what it is. And set up future whatevers. Right. And that's another another gripe that's like, oh, they're too interconnected. They're trying to pay off too many things and set up too many things. Yeah. That's, it's a comic. That's the point, man. Yeah. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But that doesn't mean there's a problem with the movie. It just means that that's not the kind of film that you like is Wanda dead no is her person in the 838 now self-realized she already was but now has more power no same amount of power she was taken over doesn't necessarily mean there was a sharing of knowledge she was under uh, metaphorical rocks in the mind when Xavier went into her mind. So blocked off, there'd be no sharing. It's the same power she already had. She clearly already had that power. So that character's potential there for future? Right. Like the idea is like, oh, she's dead. Let's bring in another Wanda. But really, did we, did we, we never saw. We, never we, saw we didn't see what happened to her, and she's powerful enough that didn't kill her. So, yeah, future whatevers. Um, you have ideas of what, about what's going on. I mean, I, I I think the easy one is the Kang character is going oh, yeah. to show up for sure somewhere. Has to. He already has, but like, we'll see that in the future. If they're going to do Fantastic Four, if they're going to do X Men, there's just so many ways and things and peoples um, they, and whatever. They I won't go into too much, but they mentioned incursions multiple times, and that is it could just be fan service for talking about the lead up to, to secret wars. Well, that that's where in in one it was the beyonder, but in other it was Doctor Doom who created the, the Well, yeah, so there's actually been, there's been four four secret wars. So there was Secret War, the first one, that was the Beyonder. The second was Secret Wars or Secret War Two, I should say. Uh or Secret Wars Two. I, I start to lose track because they all have basically the same name. Beyonder comes back. That was in the 80s. 
And then you jump forward, and then there's Secret War, which has nothing to do with any of that. It's kind of individual stories uh, wrapped around like Nick Fury and some stuff. But um, the most recent one was the one to do with Doctor Doom and the Beyonders, which is not the same thing as the Beyonder, though they are connected. It's complicated. Uh, if you are not familiar with it, there are a lot of comics for you to read, and some of them are truly fantastic. I will not try and describe them here, but it's a wonderful storyline that they will not be able to do in the films. I don't see it. Not, not real justice, because you have to have everything. You have to access everything to make the incursions work. It seems pretty crazy it is it is super crazy it's too much for the average consumer i think to understand so i think that was mostly fan service or if they are going to do it they're going to change what it means for the films dumb it down a little bit possibly limit limit its scale just a bit x-men versus avengers possibly but uh yeah there are some other things i i'm really excited to see where they go with this i enjoyed the film uh is it the best marvel film they ever made no is it, um, but it's really solid. Oh, plot. Forgot to give that the, the, the actual score. I'm going to give that a 16. And I did 15. Yeah. So this is where we give our bonus points before we run on way too long with this episode. Uh, We're about an hour. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Not, it's not it's a good bad. movie. It's a know? really good movie. Um, but my, my bonus point is easy. Um, I am a huge mark, as we obviously already know about Sam Raimi, but more specifically, any time that you can include Bruce Campbell in in the film and his his little bit of plot was such a fun in joke whenever they brought it in during the film I go that is funny I started laughing and I looked around at all the 20 somethings that were sitting around the theater nobody got no clue. it they had they had no frame of reference where it made it's like oh that makes me so sad <laughs> it's like come on guys uh, but then and then the cheesy second uh, second secret ending. It was so good. I everybody's like, "Oh, that's dumb." No, it, yeah, it's it, funny. Not not if you're a Bruce Campbell fan. It's, right, it's not dumb. No, and I've already said that Evil Dead. Uh, I mean, the Army of Darkness is one of my favorite movies of all time, and Evil Dead Two is what established that particular movie. So, him hitting himself in the face is just. <laughs> It's Ash. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. But if you look at all the Spider-Man movies that he did, he was he, Bruce Campbell was in every one of those too. Yep. So, yeah, the my my one bonus point is identical. It's because of Bruce Campbell. Yeah, we love we love that dude. So, in this one rare instance, our score is exactly the same, even though we got to the score in different ways. Yep. Uh, we both rated this an eighty-six, which is, I mean. A really solid score that is a B, verging on B plus. Yeah, it 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 does pay off to an extent some of your time and investment in the MCU so far, and like we said, it bridges the gap to future things that are going to happen in the MCU with some fan service, like you mentioned, some faces that we would thought we would never get to see in MCU movies. Now we got to see them. So yeah, there's lots of cool things. So what did you think listeners? As we've mentioned, we would love to hear what you have to say. Go on to the website, email us, 
go on to any of the social media options that we have. Um, we just uh, love to get any sort of feedback that you think. Is there a film that we should review? Is there a television show we should review? We always love to get to, to hear what it is you think that we should do. And in fact, there's going to be something that we're going to release here soon that will give you even more of a voice. But I'm not going to get too much into that until I get closer because I've already learned that when I do that and I go, we're going to do this, and then my tech people go, well, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> then we have to wait. It'll <laughs> be ready when it's ready. That's right, but soon, soon-ish, kind of around there. But until next time, uh, keep watching movies, enjoy yourself. We are going to be coming back. We're almost to the end of the fourth year. Uh, next next episode is going to be the final episode of our fourth year. Oh, dang. And we have a really, really fun episode coming in. We're going to be talking with actors Stuart Pankin and Peter Jason. Uh, super exciting. I, I, I love these gentlemen. Their work is, is so much fun. And uh, I, think, I think we're going to have some good stuff for you. 